We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's up, everybody? Welcome back another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, he's back. It's Kyle Madsen of 95.7 The Game and NinersWire.com of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, how's your week going so far? Well, I went to work today. I drove into the city. I'm not taking public transportation right now for obvious reasons. It was really spooky in the city because when I leave work at 3 o'clock, my show runs from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. I leave work typically about 3. It's usually like hustle and bustle. There's cars everywhere. Dude, I could have walked down the middle of the street for two blocks and gotten to my car without running into another car. Yeah, man. It is is spooky. I I drove just for... I work in San Francisco... I live in Oakley, which is about half an hour east of Concord. If I leave at 3 o'clock and I drive, that's an easy two-plus-hour commute on a normal Monday. Mm-hmm. I got home in an hour 10 today. Wow. Yeah. It was in- incredible. Yeah, I uh, I haven't left my house since last Wednesday, um, aside from a 6 a.m. grocery store trip I did uh, on Sunday. <laughs> Um, so I'm hoping I, I don't have to go anywhere because, um, if you're listening to this, we're recording this on Monday. I think as of Tuesday, there's going to be a, a shelter at home, um, order by the local municipalities in the Bay area, including Santa Clara County where I live. So, uh, not great times, but, um, hopefully everybody's staying safe and staying inside. Hey, a, a lot of football stuff happened on Monday, in particular 49ers things. Um, a few things which were very much unexpected. And uh, so the day started with a bunch of sort of rumors bubbling around the internet that the 49ers were on the verge of um, giving Eric Armstead a multi-year contract. And the 9 a.m. deadline, which closed the franchise tag window, came and went without a new deal for Armstead. So the 49ers didn't give Armstead a contract, or at least the franchise tag, and then it came out that they gave him a five-year, $85 million contract, um, which, you know, those are the initial numbers. We'll dive into the the contract numbers to begin with, or a little bit later, I should say. Um, 
And so it seemed like a lot of money at the time. And of course it is a lot of money. It matched D Ford to become the highest or the biggest contract the 49ers have outside of Jimmy Garoppolo. And then it made you wonder, well, gee, DeForest Buckner is due for a new contract. He's repped by Joel Siegel, who famously held out uh, Khalil Mack from the Raiders before his fifth-year option season. And then Mack got traded in a massive contract with the Bears. And so you looked at it, you're like, man, are the Niners about to pay $40 million a year on average for DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead? Um, while having to pay George Kittle at some point this offseason? The answer is no. And we found out Monday afternoon that the 49ers traded DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts for the number 13 pick in the draft in a deal that was, I mean, I don't even know, like unexpected isn't the word for it. It was stunning. It was shocking. Uh, Buckner is, is probably the guy I would have picked last to be traded but in the context of how things are going for the 49ers financially from a salary cap standpoint it makes a lot of sense and I feel like the trade with the Colts ultimately and we're going to talk about all the reasons why but I think it's a win-win for both teams 49ers are obviously worse without DeForest Buckner but over the long haul they they have a chance to be better there are risks involved but uh what what were your impressions Kyle of of Monday, what happened with signing Armstead and, and then finding out that DeForest Buckner got traded after my hit on 95.7 The Game on your show, <laughs> which basically everything I said became null and void like an hour later because of this trade. Well, that just underscores how much of a surprise this was. Like, it it wasn't even a discussion. The, the, the prevailing talking point over the offseason was DeForest Buckner and George Kittle extensions are the priority. If they can fit Armstead in with that, great, but probably not. So they should try and get some compensation back for Armstead. The DeForest Buckner thing didn't even come up until like 10 minutes before the trade happened. And then the rumors kind of started floating around. And then all of a sudden, they traded DeForest Buckner for a first-round pick. And it was such a out-of-left-field thing that... The, I think, initial reaction was, was uh, I don't want to say negative, but it was definitely a, like, what the hell? Like, what, what just right. happened? But after sitting back and kind of assessing it a little bit, I actually think when you really zoom out, like, when you look long term, you can make this make sense. Because usually trading one of your two or three best players for 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 a draft pick is not typically a prudent move but just when you look at financially and you look at the Niners draft compensation and what they might have gotten down the line I, I think this was probably the most sound move long term if if they're trying to build a contender and keep a contender over the next you know five or ten years yeah so the 49ers had to know that a situation like this was coming down the line, right? So, like, you have George Kittle, Eric Armstead, and DeForest Buckner all needing new contracts. Knowing Buckner, repped by Joel Siegel, is probably going to ask for a market-setting deal, something in the range of $20 million per year. Armstead is probably worth, I don't know, 14 to $16 million. He ended up getting $17 million a year. And then you have George Kittle, who's going to become the highest-paid tight end in the league, Whenever he signs his next contract, I'm guessing it's going to be something like 14, 15 million a year, right. uh, which is massive because Austin Hooper signed one of the richest tight richest tight end deals in league history at 11 million dollars a year uh, with the Cleveland Browns today. Um, and speaking of Hooper, the 49ers apparently kicked the tires, according to NFL Network's Mike Silver, which is interesting. We could talk about that later, but also very interesting. Yeah. The point being, you have, if you're the 49ers and you enter this week with 15 to $18 million in cap space and three guys you have to give massive contracts to, it became clear that they can't pay all three. So they could have paid DeForest Buckner, decided to give him a contract, deal with Joe Siegel, and try to figure out how that would work. Now, Buckner with the Colts received just under $40 million uh, get fully guaranteed at signing, uh, which is really the big number. And then for Armstead, he received 
according to, I think, Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle who got these numbers. Um, I'm trying to look. I think it was $34 million, uh guaranteed at signing. Armstead's cap number in 2020 is going to be $6 million. And in 2021, it's going to be 12.5, which is super team friendly. Now it spikes in, in 2022 and on. But Buckner's cap hits, for example, with the Colts are going to be in 2020, 23 million, 17 million, and then 16 million before they bump back up again in 23 and 24. Um, so if you're the 49ers and you're trying to figure out which defensive lineman you pay, do you say, all right, we're, we're going to trade one of these guys. So are we better off keeping DeForest Buckner and trading Eric Armstead for, you know, you made the point, Kyle, before we started recording. If they had gotten a second round pick for Armstead, it probably would have been a 2021 second round pick, not a 2020 second round pick. And that's, which, that's just based on what the Niners got for D Ford in that situation last year. Right. What they gave up because... Or gave up, yeah. Yeah, because a, a pick... Uh, a pick a year from now has less value than a pick in a month, right? Just inherently. Right. So if you're the 49ers and you're looking at it, you say, okay, we have, we can only pay one defensive lineman. There isn't a whole lot of difference in terms of production when you look at what each guy did in 2019. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers would make the case that Armstead, obviously the sack total, Armstead had the advantage. He had 10 sacks to Buckner's seven and a half. But with Armstead, you have more positional versatility. He played defensive end in base downs, kicked inside in pass rushing situations. Buckner, while he could play defensive end, I think he would be a fine defensive end if he played him there, really was only a defensive tackle and a three technique. So you look at the versatility and the production and the cost-benefit analysis of the whole thing, and you say, all right, we're only keeping one of these guys. Which one has more trade value? If you're only getting a 2021 second round pick or a third round pick in this year's draft and keeping Armstead or for Armstead and keeping Buckner, that might not be a better situation than keeping Armstead, trading Buckner, and then getting the number 13 pick in the draft, which puts you, which gives you a chance to get a, a star, like a star who could be yeah, good he, right yes. away. There are a lot of really yes. good players that go in that range in the draft every year particularly in this year's draft where, you know, if you're the 49ers, you need a receiver. Now you're in the mix for CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs. Who, who are all top receivers in a very good receiver class. I, I know the argument will be there that you can wait to get a receiver in a, in a deep class, but if you can get one of those top guys and add it to a 13-3 and team and uh, a top-five offense from last year, like that, that's the kind of move you make. And I think... I think that if going into the offseason, you you pulled 49er fans and said, hey, if the 49ers get the number 13 pick in the draft, like what would you like what would you be willing to give up or what's off the table for the number 13 pick? I'm not sure DeForest Buckner's name would have been on the list. Right, because you think and he's that, coming that, back. Well, sure, but I mean, if if all players are on the table, who are you taking off the table? I think DeForest Buckner stays on the table. Yeah, that's I mean that 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 to me is is kind of where I fall with this, um, because like you said, this isn't this isn't the twenty seventh pick. This isn't this isn't a late for this is like a early to mid first round pick for a team that went to the Super Bowl last year. Like that's that's a that's a scenario where if the Niners are still competing for Super Bowls in five or six years, if they play their cards right, this is one of those moves where it's like, man, that was a really savvy move to make sure that they got C.D. Lamb in that draft or, or, you know, pick a name. So that's that's when, like I said, when you really zoom out, I feel like this is the kind of move that could keep the 49ers and um, can keep the 49ers championship window open. Uh, longer than it would have been had they committed all that money to Buckner. Yeah, I, I agree. And and look, there. I mean, it's a big loss. There, there's no doubt about yes. it. Like Buckner yes. was one of the 49ers, probably three best players. Uh, I would probably put Nick Bosa and George Kittle above him, but Buckner is way up there. And he's been super productive, obviously super reliable. I think he's third in the NFL in snaps among defensive linemen since entering the league. He's missed just one game 
and that was a Thursday night game, his rookie season, because of a foot injury he had. Um, but going back and, and just looking at Pro Football Focus's statistics that they have, Armstead was better than Buckner basically across the board, according to you know their metrics and their grading. Armstead was graded as uh, you know an 89.8 player, and he was he was I think the highest graded player on the entire defense, even higher than Richard Sherman last year. Um, and Buckner, while really good, was a 78.8. Uh, Armstead had 62 total pressures to Buckner's 55. Pro Football Focus records sacks a little bit differently. They have Armstead with 11, Buckner with 8. Um, they both had 8 quarterback hits. Armstead had 4 more quarterback hurries, 43 to 39. So just from a standpoint of you know production, if you're looking at Pro Football Focus's data, Armstead was the better player, and we mentioned his versatility. But with Buckner... I mean, he was undoubtedly the captain of that defensive line room. Like, he was the leader, the tone setter of that group. And it was, you know, the, that, the Niners' defensive line was the best in the league. And Buckner was sort of the emotional, uh, I don't know if the emotional leader is the right word, but, like, he was kind of the, the guy everyone looked to, the, the role model, so to speak, in that group. And he's only 26, so he's, he's set, definitely mature beyond his years. Um, a team captain the last two years, uh, a Len Eshmon award winner last year, I believe, and this year he was a Bill Walsh award winner. The Len Eshmon is is uh, the award that's voted on by players for basically the team's MVP, and then the Bill Walsh award is voted on by the coaching staff. So he was really somebody highly valued in the organization. The problem was the 49ers just could not afford to pay him upwards of $20 million a year. And I think it's understandable, like, you know, the the Rams are sort of handcuffed because of what they have to pay Aaron Donald, as good as Aaron Donald is. And the 49ers have a bunch of good players, and they're going to have to pay George Kittle and Fred Warner, and Nick is going to get a new contract down the road. Um, Debo Samuel's going to get a big, big deal here pretty soon. Like, they are going to have to pay guys, and having... DeForest Buckner costs $20 million a year on your cap sheet is just too difficult to sustain, in my opinion. And, uh, and you know, it was interesting. Like, it was funny we talked however many pods ago it was, but it was like, all right, yeah, I would tag and trade Armstead because you need draft assets and you need more cap space. Well, you do get rid of Buckner by with this trade, but you get a much better draft pick and you get more cap space out of it. So, that's where I'm coming from. It's a big loss. Like the 49ers are definitely worse right now without DeForest Buckner. But if they hit on this 13th pick and it's at a position of value like receiver or cornerback, or maybe they just draft another defensive tackle, somebody who could come in and play at a, you know, not quite Buckner's level, but close to that level right away. I mean, you're you're sitting pretty good if you're the 49ers because now you have some salary cap flexibility to, to maybe keep Jimmy Ward and or Emmanuel Sanders heading into 2020 when you want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think you hit on it there with the overarching point being like, I'm not saying that replacing DeForest Buckner is easy. And I'm not saying that the Niners should trade all their good players for draft picks. But in this particular case, it feels like it, it whittles down to this for me. So you have Armstead. This is the route they went. Armstead, who's a edge slash defensive tackle they got a first round pick out of it and more cap flexibility if they keep buckner and trade armstead tag and trade armstead they're probably getting a 2021 second round pick getting a defensive tackle with less cap flexibility and i know that's like sacrilege to say because buckner's been so good the last couple years but i just think it's way easier to to replicate some of his production or get a player in who still allows a player to like Nick, like Nick Bosa to not have two or three guys blocking him. Like, does that, does that make sense? Like I understand what Buckner did on the interior of the line, open some things up elsewhere for the other pass rushers. But I think that their defensive line is good enough and talented enough that even a slightly above average player can, can still allow those guys to thrive. 
Yeah, totally agree. And th- this is just the tax that you pay when you have a loaded roster. Right. And that yes, like if the 49ers keep running into this issue, that's a good problem to have. Having too many players is a good thing. Right. So I I if if the Niners play their cards right here, this isn't going to be the last time that they're forced to choose between uh, two good players. And I think Armstead, because of his injury issues early in his career, got a little bit underrated. Uh, but if he continues rushing the passer at the rate that he did last year on top of being a really good run defender, it's hard to believe this deal doesn't work for the Niners. And one thing I, I wrote about in, in my analysis post for the Sacramento Bee um, is that if you look at the future just beyond 2020 and 2021, you have to wonder about what's going to happen with D Ford. And if you're wondering about what's happening with D Ford, if Eric Armstead is on your team, at least you have an option there opposite Nick Bosa because we know how important it is to have two good defensive ends, right? So with D Ford, basically all the guarantees in his money, in his contract are, are gone. Um, already, like right now, actually. I think the 49ers could release him with a minimal cap hit or a dead cap hit. And and that number would shrink even more. I think down to something like 4 million in 2021. Um, Because you're simply not sure that Ford's worth the contract that he's gotten at that point, given his injury history. Right. So if, if Ford has a season where, you know, last year only played 22% of the snaps. Um, He was productive. He had six and a half sacks in 11 games, but say Ford misses half the year, he has three or four sacks, he's not productive, then in 2021, you move off of him, well, you do have Eric Armstead who could play inside and out, and you could sort of fill that void uh, with with Armstead, which is something you couldn't necessarily do with Buckner. So I think that's kind of part of it too. Like if you're looking at reasons why you would go with Armstead over Buckner, you look at Ford you wonder uh, about his viability just long-term with the injury factors and can Armstead play over there if you needed him to on a full-time basis. And I know, I think all of his sacks last year came from as he was pass rushing from the inside. So he's definitely a better player on the inside, but he is very good against the run. Um, You know, defensive coordinator Robert Sala always talks about how Armstead is, is basically impossible for tight ends to block in the running game right. and George Kittle will say the same thing. I've talked to Kittle about that too. Um, so I get it. Like it's, it's just, it's crazy to think that the Niners having gone to the Super Bowl on the back of the strength of their defensive line had to trade one of their best defensive linemen to continue, you know, to try to keep their Super Bowl window open. Like it's, it's just it's crazy to think about, but that's one of the things that makes the NFL unique is you have situations like this in a hard capped league where you just can't pay everybody even if you draft them. Like the NBA, you can keep all your own guys if you draft them. Yeah. Um it's much and, easier too anyways. Yeah. Yeah, like there are provisions that like guys, you know, you can max them out and go over the salary cap and whatever. You can't do that in the NFL. So if you happen to have, you know, five first round picks along your defensive line like the Niners did, some of those dudes are going to be really highly paid and Buckner and Armstead and Nick Bosa is, I mean, Nick Bosa is still on his rookie deal, but he's making what seven or 8 million a year. It's not like he's, you know, not getting paid anything. It's still significant money. Same for Solomon Thomas. Um, you know, there's a ton of money invested in that defensive line. And so at some point, if you're going to replenish the roster, fill other positions in need as other guys age out, whether that's Emmanuel Sanders or, you know, Richard Sherman, who's in the last year of his contract, or if you have to replace Jimmy Ward or Jaquaski Tart, who's entering his contract year, um, you need assets to replenish the roster. And the 49ers did not have that before this trade. And now having the 13th pick, they could trade back from 31 as many times as they want yep. and not feel bad about not picking the first round because if they pick at 13, they're, they're going to get a really good player as long as they don't screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And I think that's how they're looking at this. They can replenish their roster with cheap talent, which is like, it's required to to win Super Bowls. There's a reason that, that teams that actively sign big free agents or try to build through free agency don't typically 
stick around for very long because it's really hard to keep a high paid guys together on a roster. So uh, I, I like in theory what the Niners are doing here. Like you said, they have to execute it. They, they have to hit on these draft picks and they've done a pretty good job of that through John Lynch's tenure for the most part. And if they continue doing that, then they'll be in good shape. But like you alluded to earlier, if they swing and miss on their first round pick with, or if they swing and miss at 13 and then uh, trade back from 31 and swing and miss with those picks, it's just, uh, this has a potential to be a disaster, but when it comes to the draft, you want as many uh, shots at the dartboard as possible. Um, and now they've given themselves a lot more flexibility in that regard. Let's take a quick break. With currently no NBA, NHL, or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, open 24 hours all day and all online, which is perfect if you're stuck in your house in a quarantine like some of us happen to be. Sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts and esports are on the rise. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% off your welcome bonus with your first deposit. Promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online is your new ticket to online action. All right. So I guess what's next is to talk about in in the short term, how are the 49ers going to replace DeForest Buckner? Because now they have they have some decisions to make and a lot of guys who potentially could fill in, obviously none are I would expect are are gonna come in and, and evolve into second team all pros and the 49ers are probably gonna draft somebody and maybe even sign a free agent. Um, but right now, in terms of on the roster Kyle, what, what do you think the 49ers do um, at that spot to, to try to replace Buckner snaps? I think they sign a free agent. Um, I I think that somebody like Linval Joseph, who the Vikings just released, uh, DJ Reader, who played for the Texans, he's a good player. He's a he's a unrestricted free agent. Jaron Reed, I think, is too. Uh, yeah, yeah, from the Seahawks. Jaron Reed, really yeah. good player. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's some names out there that, like we said earlier, like those guys aren't as good as Buckner, but I think they can give you enough in that spot that you won't notice a, a significant step backwards at that position. Uh, I know that I, I'm going to ask you a question here. Okay. Uh, I, I think DJ Jones is going to be a really good player, and, and I think he'll see, he'll see an increased role, but... I know you're I, I, I'm trying to figure out you're hmm you're something less than bullish on Solomon Thomas in an expanded role and I would like you to explain. So Because I'm not. Right. So I think one of the reasons why Solomon Thomas I mean there are a lot of reasons why Solomon Thomas has not become a key contributor to what the 49ers have done from a production standpoint that you would expect from a number three overall pick. I think everything that's happened to him off the field, namely, you know, his sister committing suicide before his second season played a huge role in, in just where he was at mentally. And I think he's been, you know, sort of slowly incrementally getting back to life as normal and, and being able to focus somewhat on football since then, but from a football standpoint and, and from a 49er standpoint, I mean, you need reps. You need playing time. And Thomas hasn't had that opportunity because he's been playing behind Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner for the last two years, who have both been really good, and neither of whom have missed a game. So Thomas hasn't really been able to get many starts, if any. Um, I don't have his pro football reference page open in front of me. but um, So I think one thing... You know, if, if, like, we don't know what Solomon Thomas is yet, in my opinion, because he hasn't gotten the playing time. And so I think he's talented enough to where if he played, you know, 40, 50 snaps a game, 
mainly as an interior guy. And a lot of people think his best position is three technique, which is what Buckner played. And Buckner never came off the field, or rarely did. If you let Solomon Thomas get a season's worth of snaps in that role, I think he would be a productive player. And as a rookie, the 49ers tried him on the edge. And I never thought, even going back to you know, researching him on the draft that he would be a good player around the edge. Like, I went to his pro day at Stanford, and I tweeted a video of him doing that that ring drill where you, you know, you ring, you run a, a, around a ring, and it basically simulates coming off the edge. And Thomas, on one of his reps, straight up fell down. And it's not that he's not athletic because his testing numbers are off the charts. I just don't know, didn't know that, or didn't think, still don't think, he has the dexterity to be like an edge guy, somebody who can like dip his shoulder, win with quickness and bend around the edge and consistently get to the quarterback. When he's played along the edge in the NFL, he's basically been bull rushing with power moves and that's about all he has. But he's much more effective when he lines up along the interior, but because the 49ers have had really good interior players, Buckner and Thomas, or Buckner and, and Armstead ahead of him, Thomas hasn't gotten the reps to really evolve. And to be fair, like on the other side of that, like you have to earn those reps, right? So like, it, yeah, yeah, it's it's probably Thomas's fault because he hasn't done well enough in practice or taken advantage of his opportunities to earn those reps. But I think now that, you know, the 49ers are probably not going to pick up Thomas's fifth year option in May. So he should come to training camp whenever training camp starts or the offseason program, whenever that starts, um, really pissed off. Right. Like he should come in being like this team didn't pick up my fifth year option, um, which happens to like the only time a team doesn't pick up your fifth year option is when a team basically admits like, man, we, we missed on this pick. Right. So Thomas is going to enter 2020. I would think I would be shocked if they did pick up his option. But me too. Thomas should have every motivation to be like, I'm going to come in and this is my football life is on the line right now. Um, and I think there's an opportunity for him to play well because there's a role there to be had where that role wasn't, wasn't available to him before. And he's going to be in an ideal situation because he'll be surrounded by Nick Bosa in his second season. Um, Armstead, you know, playing the best ball of his career as he did in 2019, presumably. And then hopefully for the 49ers sake, D Ford is healthier this year and able to provide more off the edge. So, I mean, if you're looking at that foursome, Solomon Thomas, Armstead, Bosa, and Ford, you're not double-teaming Solomon Thomas. And so he should be put in a good position there to excel and beat guards if he's pass-rushing on the inside. And I think he could be a productive guy. Like, I've always talked about Thomas as somebody who has the ability to be like a 6-8 to eight sack guy. And if you get that from him... That'd be huge. That'd be, that would be, you know, that would be great for the Niners, but he just hasn't had that opportunity yet. So I'm not, you know, like Thomas obviously hasn't been a good pick to this point, but I just think given the opportunity, the fact that he's in a contract year, which Armstead just balled out in a contract year, by the way, and D4 did, you know, in 2018 before getting his big contract too. So sometimes <laughs> being in a contract year has a way of motivating you to, uh, to play your best, your best uh, football and so I think there's a possibility that Thomas could be that guy I wouldn't guarantee it I would treat it sort of as found money if I'm the 49ers like I wouldn't say oh we don't need to draft a defensive tackle with the 13th pick we're we're gonna rule out out those guys because we have Solomon Thomas I wouldn't treat it that way at all but I would let Thomas be in that mix and if there were a rookie coming in I would say you got to beat out this guy who is a number three pick who is yeah. coming into training camp with his hair on fire because he hasn't been good since entering the league, really, and everybody's been talking about it, about how much of a failure he's been, and so he's going to be pissed off, and you got to go beat him for his job. And so I think in that scenario, that's my long-winded way of, of saying, I think the 49ers could get a good season from Solomon Thomas. I wouldn't bank on it, but in terms of like fallback options, getting a former number three overall pick in a contract year as somebody to replace somebody like DeForest Buckner, like having that as an option isn't the worst place to be. It's not ideal, but it's not the worst place to be. And so I, I, I do think like Thomas could end up being, 
a a productive player in 2020, but I'm not convinced. I need to see it before I believe it. So would you say right now the base defensive line is Armstead, Jones, Thomas, Bosa? Just with the guy, just with the guys who are on the roster. All right. So base packages like rundowns. You have four down linemen. You're playing right. the run, right? So yeah. And I was going, I was going left to right there. Um, I so if I'm facing the offense, Nick Bosa is my right defensive end, mm-hmm. going against a left tackle. Um, Eric Armstead is my three technique. DJ Jones is my nose tackle. And right now, I would probably have Solomon Thomas in just because at defensive end, left defensive end, because he's good against the run, or at least better against the run in that spot. Hmm. If your pass rush, so basically, I'm interesting. I'm, I'm moving Eric Armstead to DeForest Buckner's role, and then and now, as the roster is currently constructed, yeah. Having Solomon Thomas move into Armstead's old role. Right after you did the whole thing about how he can't play on the edge? Well, I can't pass right <laughs> And then when you go to sub packages, you bring in D Ford, you'd slide Thomas right. inside, and you take DJ Jones off the field. But I also think DJ Jones gives you a little bit of value as an interior pass rusher. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, so a lot of teams do run out of sub packages. So, um, you know, you, go, you are going to need somebody to stuff the run there. But. For right now, I think that's your best defense because D Ford didn't, you know, he he sort of I don't know that he played himself out of uh, of being an every down player because he he started week one in base downs uh, and he played over a thousand snaps for the Chiefs in 2018, so he clearly played against a run there. But um, I think maximizing D Ford, you try to limit the wear and tear and let somebody else take those hits in the running game, and so I would have Solomon Thomas there. Okay. Strong side D end. That makes sense. Yeah. I do got, think I, I do think they're gonna add a three tech though. Yeah, and you have Contavious Street, who is probably best off at three technique, a fourth round pick who hasn't played the last two years really because of knee injuries. Um they like Kevin Givens, an undrafted rookie last year. Um, you know, do you bring back Ronald Blair? I don't know that necessarily he's he's somebody who you who you love at three tech, but I think he's a good solid sort of all-around defensive end. Like, I think Ronald Blair could be a three-down defensive end. I wouldn't have any problem with Ronald Blair getting in. Ronald Blair's really good. Yeah, if you move Eric Armstead inside uh, full-time, I wouldn't have any problem with Blair there bringing him back on a cheap deal. But, um, yeah, like, if they're able to get Darren Reed um, and then re-sign Blair and have Thomas competing there, like, you still have a good defensive line. I mean, bottom line, the 49ers still have D Ford, Nick Bosa, and Armstead. So defensive line is still a strength. It's not the overwhelming strength as it was last year, but I still think you can piece it together. And and from a broader perspective, and I've alluded to this a little bit, but like I'm expecting the Niners defense, and this was I, I've said this before, Buckner's the Buckner trade. I would expect the Niners defense to take a bit of a step back, but I think the offense could get better. Um, just being, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo being healthy, having another season, um, Debo Samuel being better, uh, everybody else along, you know, everybody else within the offense being more comfortable within their roles, Kyle Shanahan taking the next evolution of his playbook. Um, I think the offense could be better while the defense could be, could take a a bit of a step back. Like it's not going to be, you know, the Niners defense this year was like the best pass defense of the last decade statistically. They won't be at that level, but I think they could be good enough to win a Super Bowl. Um, they're just going to have a different overall look and feel as a team. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's 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 correct. Just even if they brought everybody back on defense, it would have been really tough to to duplicate what they did last year, just because they were so dominant early in the season that. I think it really skewed their numbers toward that. And their final numbers, I think we're going to set an impossible bar for them. Even if they brought back, like I said, Buckner and and Jimmy Ward and just the entire defense comes back. It's really hard to replicate dominant defense year over year. Mm -hmm. And when you take out DeForest Buckner, I think there's definitely going to be an adjustment there. 
And especially the first few weeks where they're figuring out um, how they're going to replace him. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's right. I, I do think the offense is going to be better, and we'll talk about that a little more uh, as the offseason goes on here. But, yeah, just, just by virtue of taking out a, a Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber defensive tackle, your your defense is going to take a step back. But if you can get, like I said, an above-average player to, to take over some of his snaps and you get uh, Quan Alexander and Fred Warner and and Dre Greenlaw in the second level all stepping up a little bit, I, I think they'll, they'll still have a really good defense. I just am not sure they're going to be uh, as historically dominant through the first part of the year as they were a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that 13th pick, man, like they could take a, that's really a big good, deal. That's a big deal. They could take a corner there. Um, Henderson they could, out of Florida seems to fit the bill. They I could, haven't, I haven't grinded the tape yet, but, uh, I know all the receivers are going to be there. There are a couple defensive tackles who could be in the mix and you could find an offensive lineman to eventually replace Joe Staley. Um, and maybe play guard in the meantime. So maybe you upgrade the offensive line with an elite talent uh, after losing somebody along the defensive line. And we know the offensive line had issues in, you know, in the Super Bowl, particularly with Chris Jones. So, yeah, the, the 13th pick is a big deal. That's a really, like, that's a that's a game-changer for the Niners. And obviously losing Buckner is a game-changer, but just given the financial realities, it, it makes sense. Yeah, and I think as the, because I... I don't know if we've ever mentioned this on the show before. I produce a sports talk radio show in the Bay Area. Oh, and yeah. and when the Buckner trade came down, the phone lines just blew up with this show's John Lynch is incompetent. Uh, they're never going to replace Buckner. Um, they're tearing down the whole defense. Um, Armstead's overrated. People don't watch the games. And... My favorite thing about the people don't watch the games take is like fans are the ones making these decisions. Like, no, nah, I promise the front office watches all the games <laughs> and all the practices. They, they, watch, they see everything <laughs> and all the meetings. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just it was just an intensely negative reaction. And I get it because like Buckner was a really good player and he's been with the team since since 2016. And uh, he's been dominant when they were good and dominant when they weren't good. But I, I really think as the draft gets closer and it becomes more apparent what the 49ers are going to be able to do with that number 13 pick, I, I I really think that by the time we get to week one of this season, whenever that is, I think the Niners 53-man roster next year is going to be better overall than it was this year, last year. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I just think top to bottom, uh, I think the receiving core is going to be a little bit better. I think the offensive line is going to be a little bit deeper. Uh, I think some of the players last year, like uh, like Justin School or Daniel Brunskill or I mentioned Greenlaw and Warner, I think I think they're just going to get uh, better play from from some of those guys. And I think I, I just I'm not I'm not confident that trading Buckner is going to make the Niners. Uh, roster looks significantly worse by the time we it's all said and done. Yeah, my favorite thing with the John Lynch stuff is like, man, John Lynch doesn't know what he's doing. Like, like people say that as if John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are working independent of each other. Like, right, basically, right. every single decision that is made goes across Kyle Shanahan's desk before it's made like if Kyle Shanahan doesn't want the 49ers to do something, the 49ers don't do it. Like John Lynch might be the general manager and Kyle Shanahan's the head coach, but Shanahan is higher on the hierarchy when it comes to the decision-making process. So like you can't love Kyle Shanahan and rip the 49ers for all their personnel decisions because those are largely Kyle Shanahan's, right? Like, Kyle Shanahan picked John Lynch to be his GM because he wanted John Lynch to be the guy to enact everything that Shanahan wanted, right? Like Shanahan only has so many hours in the day. So the Niners have a very collaborative front office. You have Adam Peters, who's basically the head personnel guy, the lead scout. Obviously he's going to make every recommendation when it comes to talent evaluation. 
and then Parag Marate is going to make every single financial recommendation and and sort of you know he's he's the spreadsheet guy the guy who has the 49ers in pretty good in a pretty good spot from a financial and salary cap standpoint and who's done a really good job over these last few years in particular allowing this team to rebuild so quickly I've made this point before but like everybody wanted the 49ers in 2015 and 2016 to just unload all of their cap space for like high-priced free agents well if they had done that there's no shot they would have gone to the Super Bowl last year. Like, there's yeah. no shot they would have been able to afford D Ford. They wouldn't have been able to bring Eric Armstead back. Who knows if they would have been able to to sign him uh, to trade for Emmanuel Sanders midway through the year? Uh, who knows about like getting an act- enough court enough space to sign a franchise quarterback? Um, you know, so cap space rolls over year to year. So there's a butterfly effect. Like if you make a move and give out a big contract and take and it eats up cap space and it doesn't work out then that could hurt you a few years down the road so like everything Paragmarate did from a contract standpoint and the 49ers electing not to spend in 2016 when they were going to be bad basically regardless like they wouldn't they wouldn't be in this position now where they're a contending team with a championship window wide open so um it's a collaborative effort to to people out there who like John Lynch doesn't know what he's doing like all right it's any mistake is like an organization wide mistake it doesn't fall on on one person and there's different machinations like there are different guys you know I I have I have heard who banged the table for Solomon Thomas uh and you know and and some decisions some coaches or you know executives have more say in than others um, just because they do collaborate, but uh, yeah, like it's it's any any bad decision the team makes is it's generally a team wide thing. It's not like oh John Lynch doesn't know what he's doing, and it, the same goes for credit, right? Like you don't give credit to one guy uh, when it comes to all these things. These are all collaborative efforts. So I think it's funny, like the the Twitter reaction and Sports Talk Radio reaction to how all this stuff goes. But um, yeah. Hey, DeAndre Hopkins is in the NFC West, huh? That was like, <laughs> I still, so I can't, I, what the, excuse my language, turn it down if you have small children listening. What the fuck is the, is, are the Texans doing? Like, I don't. It's so good. They have in the last two off seasons. This is a point made on Twitter. This is not a Kyle Madsen original. They've in the last two off seasons traded away Jadavian Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins, and don't have a first round pick in this year's draft. What are they doing? Yeah, I I don't know. They so I, here's I the don't, trade, dude. I. We I don't should, get we it. should say which team DeAndre Hopkins plays for. Yeah, yeah, we we probably should. Do the thing and then I have a thing after you do the thing. So, the Houston Texans who don't have a GM, it's basically head coach Bill O'Brien making all the personnel decisions as far as I know. Um DeAndre Hopkins and a 2024th round pick to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for running back David Johnson and a 2022nd round pick and a 2021 4th round pick. So they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins for a running back who's at the wrong point of his career and got a second round pick. He like fell out of the rotation last year. Yeah, he got he got replaced by and there were injuries and stuff, but he got replaced by Kenyon Drake, who the Cardinals are bringing back. So check this out. I tweet too much. Hang on. I heard that on 95.17. Yeah. All right, so here's here's how important DeAndre Hopkins was for Houston and Deshaun Watson. Over the last two years, Hopkins has accounted for 32.3% of Watson's completions, 34.1% of his yards, and 34.6% of his touchdowns. You're taking away your young quarterback's favorite best receiver that he'll probably ever play with. For an aging running back who couldn't get on the field last year. Yeah. And a second round pick. Yeah. And that leaves your top option <laughs> as Kyle Fuller 
who's Who always hurt. Also can't stay on the field. Kyle Fuller Will, or Kendall Fuller? Will, Will Fuller. Will Fuller. There's, there are lots of there Fullers. There are so many Fullers. Fuller, it's a Fuller house in the NFL. Hey-oh. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, so that's interesting because DeAndre Hopkins is, what, one of the best three receivers in the league? You can make the case he's the best receiver in the league, and now he comes to the NFC West. Um, the Cardinals are going to be a problem next year. Like, I don't think someone got mad at me for saying the NFC West is going to be really competitive. Some guy said, uh, "You better not think the Cardinals are better than the Niners." Like, why would I think that? Like, <laughs> no, but dude, the Cardinals gave the Niners hell without DeAndre Hopkins. Right, exactly. And, <laughs> and to say they're like, I'm not saying they're better than the Niners because clearly they're not. But like. They are not going to be an easy team to defend by any means. Kenyon Drake gave the problem, gave the 49ers fits last year. DeAndre Hopkins is really good. Larry Fitzgerald is around for another season. They drafted like 17 receivers last year, including uh, the guy from Iowa State whose name is Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Butler, thank you. The tall guy, the 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 guy, the guy who tested really well. The the winner of the combine yeah. one of the winners of the combine yeah the uh yeah um he'll, it's indelible what he did at the at the 2019 combine <laughs> um yeah it is but like the cardinals are young with the exception of Fitzgerald and upcoming while the 49ers defense is aging a little bit particularly you know like in the secondary so getting Getting DeAndre Hopkins and adding him to the division is going to be really interesting. Now, as we're recording this, Jadavian Clowney has not signed with a new team. Correct. Um, so that's really interesting. The Seahawks... I never... The Seahawks are so hard to evaluate, man, because you can look at the roster and be like, yeah, they're not... The roster's not that good. But then it's just like, oh, well, they have Russell Wilson and he could... Oh, you mean like the last three years? Right. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, are, are the Seahawks good or bad? Well, like, one day they look bad, and then the next day they go on the road and win and, like, beat some really good team because Russell Wilson just makes everything happen. Pencil um, the Seahawks in for 10 wins, and we'll figure out the rest later. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the Rams, I don't know that the Rams have made any significant moves yet. There are murmurs that a big trade is coming uh, down from, from the Rams whether that's Todd Gurley or Brandon Cooks, we uh, were waiting to, to find out because they traded away all their first-round picks for, what, Brandon Cooks and... Um, Marcus Peters. Or not Marcus Peters. Um, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, right. And, uh, yeah, and Brandon Cooks. So, like, we have no idea what kind of team the Rams are going to be next year. Um. So, yeah. I'm not as willing to pencil the Rams in for 10 wins. No, the Rams might be the team that that f- goes to last in the NFC West. I could kind of see that. Yeah, but we also might be looking at a situation where last in the NFC West is like seven or eight wins. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. I mean, the NFC West is is shaping up to be the best the best division in football. It probably was last yeah. year too, but now you have the Cardinals making a play like this. Um. Yeah, the Cardinals are not going to be fun to play. Hey, meanwhile, meanwhile, the AFC South has yep. traded out DeAndre Hopkins and re-signed Ryan Tannehill to a huge deal. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not. We. I don't mind the Tannehill thing. You kind of have to. No, I no, I I totally agree. I I I get it. But after watching Tannehill in the postseason last year, it was like, oh yeah, that's why this guy was. Not very good for a long time. Have they re-signed Derrick Henry yet? Uh, they tagged him. Oh, they tagged him. Okay. Um, I'm not locked in. Nissan on the, on Nissan Stadium South. Nissan Stadium Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, yeah, it would be good for Titans fans to have a podcast like that because. <laughs> Don't you know, do it. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Um, so yeah, as of now, there's no there's no news on Jimmy Ward or Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, but the 49ers did bring back Sean Coleman, who they're really high on, and he started uh, all 16 games for the Browns in 2017. Uh, then the new coaching staff came in. The Browns traded him to the Niners for a conditional uh, draft pick in 2018. Coleman sat out the year. 
Um, the 49ers think Coleman could eventually develop into a starter. The problem was he fractured his ankle in the preseason opener last year. Dislocated his ankle and fractured his fibula. Yeah. Double I, the nasty. Yeah, to me, that's breaking your ankle or whatever. Yeah. Um, regardless, he was out for the year. But the 49ers think he could develop into a starter. And that would be like found money for sure. Because then, you know, I mean, you would if, if you could replace Joe Staley or Mike McGlinchey or whatever without having to use a first-round draft pick, that's a huge win. And so with Coleman back, you have kind of an interesting dynamic going on in terms of depth along the offensive line. Like, I wouldn't say any of these guys are elite, but Daniel Brunskill can probably push Mike Person for the starting job at right guard. And if Justin School gets better than he was as a rookie, like, he's a pretty competent backup. Having him and Coleman compete for that swing tackle job isn't the worst situation to be in. And you still could end up drafting a, an offensive tackle to eventually replace Staley and um, or Mike McGlinchey if, if McGlinchey moves to the left side when Staley retires. So um, that's where we're at on that. We will wait to see. Again, the 49ers have $16 million in cap space now after trading Buckner and Armstead. So um, they do have a little bit of room. I would imagine if, if and when they re-sign George Kittle, which could happen at any point, um, there wouldn't be a ton of new money in terms of cap dollars. I would imagine he would get a very large bonus. But like Armstead's contract with just a $6 million hit this year, I don't think um, Kittle's new deal is going to eat up all the 49ers cap space. So we'll have to see how Parag Marate um, orchestrates all this. But now with the Buckner trade, there is a better chance at bringing back Emmanuel Sanders and or Jimmy Ward. Um, who would you rather have back? Ward. We, we, are, we did this last week, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the context yeah, of I'm, how the team is now, who would you have back? J- Jimmy Ward, for sure. And I, I, yeah. I'm sticking to my... I'm sticking to my my take that I think I'd, if I'm the Niners, I'd rather have Ronald Blair back than Emmanuel Sanders. Wow. Yeah, man. That's a take. Yeah, and I'm sticking by it. Just because well, I think it's... I, I, I just... I... I think that what you're going to have to pay Blair, and now with the 13th pick, you can add a receiver to replace Sanders. Blair, I think, can come back for pretty cheap, and I think you'll have to pay Sanders uh, probably a little bit more than he's worth to to keep him around. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Sanders is the most expendable. I would bring back Ward but because I think he's harder to replace. Um, he's younger. I know he's had injury issues, but... He's younger, he's cheaper, and he's harder for the team to replace. I don't think you can just draft a free safety and expect him to play at anywhere near the level that Ward did last year, and I think there's a pretty steep drop-off from Ward to uh, Tavarius Moore. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think Sanders, like you said, is replaceable in the draft, particularly now that you have the 13th pick. So, um, But they could bring him back. And then, I mean, if you had if you had Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, and then you drafted somebody like Jared Judy or CeeDee Lamb, like... You'd be cooking with gas, yeah. In yep. terms of uh, the receiving core, and so that is also a possibility. It's on the table, but uh, you might we might have some clarity by then. I, I still think Sanders is probably going to get a better offer than the 49ers will be willing to give him from another team, like say the Patriots, if and when they get their um, quarterback situation ready. Oh wow, there's quarterback news. It's not yeah, 49ers man. related. Uh, Marcus Mariota. 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 Um, <laughs> from the Tennessee Titans. My Tennessee si- Titans. With Kyle's Tennessee Titans signs with the Las Vegas Raiders. It's the most mitch- mismatched person city pairing ever. Like yeah. Mar- Marcus Mariota is like if as a person, if he was a city, he'd be like Bozeman, Montana. Like he's just a meh. but <laughs> like the opposite of Las Vegas. So I'm Every, very excited to see Mariota in Vegas. Mariota is one of those people like anybody who's ever come across him. You ask him about Mariota and they're like, God, best guy in the world. Yeah. Nicest yeah. dude. Tons of charity work. Greatest teammate. And just like kind of a mediocre quarterback. But he did beat the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in a playoff game a couple years ago. And threw a touchdown pass to himself. Yeah. Yeah. What people don't remember about that is that Travis Kelsey was cooking the Titans 
Uh, he got whacked in the head by Jonathan Cyprian in the, at the end of the first half, out for the game. The Chiefs stopped moving the ball in the second half, and Eric Decker made, I think, the last touchdown catch of his career in that game. So, uh, Was Alex the, Smith the, the quarterback winner. in that game? Yeah, yeah, he sure was. Not Pat Mahomes. Um, nope, definitely not Pat Mahomes. Was Pat Mahomes? He wasn't on the team. Not even drafted yet. Yep. Okay. Um, interesting. All right, so I think that's all the relevant free agency news that we have at the moment. Um, if you want us, if you're asking who we think the 49ers are going to draft, uh, we have lots and lots of time to discuss all those prospects on the pod. And I will have lots and lots of time to go on YouTube and, uh, and read scouting reports and talk to people because I am going to be quarantined in my place in Santa Clara because I am scared to death to um, go outside. Uh, rumor has it. Up. So, uh, rumor has it the ringers Danny Kelly is willing to join us next week. So keep an eye out for that. Oh, yeah, Danny Kelly, big draft guy. Yeah, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Um, that's good news. News to me. I'm all for it though. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, that'll be fun. And uh, yeah, everybody, stay safe. Please stay inside. Um, I know some people don't want to believe all the you know reports and think the media is overreacting like no just stay inside don't risk getting sick because if you get sick even if you don't get sick even if you you get the virus but you're asymptomatic you can still spread it to people and so you could go outside get it not have any idea you have it go hang out with your mom or girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever and give it to them and then they could get really sick and you know we don't want anything bad to happen to anybody so do everybody else a favor, do society a favor, stay inside, listen to our podcasts, um, read our content, Niners Wire, Sacramento Bee, do all that stuff, enjoy the time off. It does suck being stuck inside, but like, it's not nearly as bad as some of the other things we would have to deal with. So um, anyway, that's my spiel. And uh, yeah, we're probably, I mean, during this quarantine, and it looks like it's going to be, what, a couple months? Uh, we might just have to pod through it. We might be doing a couple pods a week here because... I've got so many content ideas, dude. Okay, good. Yeah, we might we might just pod through it and talk about stuff that's not 49ers related. But in the meantime, um, if there are any other significant moves the 49ers make this week or in the coming weeks, we'll definitely talk about it on the pod. If there's nothing else significant that happens this week, um, we might figure out something something to, to to talk about later this week if not definitely next week and uh maybe if something huge happens we'll talk we'll do an emergency pod kyle's dying to talk about lego masters i don't love I lego masters takes. i don't know if i have any lego masters takes that are suitable for a podcast but uh i am a fan of the show at wednesday night i'm dialed in yeah it's gonna be a good one did you watch the bridge episode yet yeah yeah i did it was a good one Thousand i i thousand pounds i i can't believe that that i i'm their names are escaping me boone and mark mark and boone? sure the two the two guys with the beards yeah yeah uh yeah mark and boone i i did not think that their bridge looked better but i guess like from an aesthetic like architectural standpoint it did yeah uh but you know they got the golden brick and i'm i'm rooting for those guys spoiler alert by the way yeah, they uh, the challenge this week was to build a bridge and see how much weight it could hold with Lego. And so I learned uh, a lot of people pointed this out, but I learned Lego is, without an S is plural. I used to say Lego yeah. like everybody else, but no, it's just Lego. Same, same, so, same, same. I may or may not have a couple like Star Wars Lego things that I put together in my spare time, um, which is just a crazy aphrodisiac. Whenever girls see it, they're like, wow. <laughs> you have Star Wars Legos and a <laughs> podcast talking about football. That explains yeah, everything. Yeah, it explains a lot. So um, <laughs> explains my life situation at the moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we will we will have podcast content uh, no matter what. And so we hope everyone's doing well. We hope everybody stays safe. Please stay inside. Do the right thing. And uh, keep it locked. Subscribe, rate, and review to Candlestick Chronicles and all the podcasts on our wonderful Blue Wire Network. And we will talk to you guys soon.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.